This morning we're going to be, uh, the passage of God's Word we're going to be studying is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 1 through 13. By the way, uh, you may or may not have noticed, we kind of skipped a little something usual in our, in our service, and that is our offering. Uh, that's one of those things we're doing a little different right now. Uh, because of the COVID-19, the precautions we're taking include not passing the plate, but there is uh, one right here, one in the fellowship hall and one in the foyer. So uh, many of y'all have, have either switched to electronic giving or are mailing in uh, your tithes and offerings. But if you brought that with you today, that in one of those plates on your way out. And so uh, you'll, that'll be from here on out. You'll be able to give that way directly in the plate on your way out of the, the service. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Also, when we get to the end of the service, I'll be, uh, after we, we sing our last song that we normally sing, I'm going to uh, kind of talk to you about how, how we dismiss, because we don't want to kind of make one big mad mob going out all at once. So that'll be a little different, too. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word? Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God can say, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given a spirit of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as in a body... Though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For all were baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Let us pray. Father, we pray that um, you would help us today as we seek to understand your word Um, As we seek to understand this uh, subject of the gifts of the Spirit that are given to each and every believer and how important they are, Father, that it's not only something that is a, a piece of Bible trivia for us to pull out on occasion, but it is actually a vital part of our walk with you that we walk and live by the Spirit Uh, that the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are at work uh, and alive 
as your spirit empowers us. And Father, we pray and ask that we're just made more like Jesus uh, through all of this. In his name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So there's an old saying that when God was handing out brains, you thought he said trains, and you said, well, I don't have any tracks, so you missed out on a brain. Well, some people kind of feel the same way when it comes to spiritual gifts, and so that's the title of this sermon, When God Was Handing Out Spiritual Gifts. There are many believers who, although they are quite certain that they have a brain of some quality, they are not really all that certain that they have any sort of spiritual gifts at all. They may consider spiritual gifts something for people of another denomination or something for people who are super high and holy or something for people who have a title or something for people of a certain temperament. But they do not understand that spiritual gifts are part and parcel of the Christian life. Spiritual gifts are vital for everyone. And so that's what we want to see, what the Apostle Paul was teaching the Corinthians today. And and in fact, he gives them huge, like chapters 12, 13, and 14, including 13, the love chapter. All that was all about spiritual gifts. He gives them huge amounts of instruction. But we're just going to look at these 13 verses today. And I want us to um, see three very important points about spiritual gifts. First of all, every person who comes to Jesus Christ is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Every person who comes to Jesus Christ is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Or you could say every salvation, every new birth is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because if you don't think that your salvation was a miracle of the Holy Spirit, then you're more likely to be inclined to think that you don't have much to do with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit and you, you know, that's something for other people. But Paul specifically says here, says, look, nobody who's truly speaking by the Holy Spirit can say, Jesus be accursed. Or we might say it more strongly, Jesus be, and use the D word. That's what he was going there. He's like, if you're really speaking by the Spirit, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't use that kind of language. Obviously, right? And he also says, nobody who was really and speaking truthfully and honestly, who said Jesus is Lord, that is, there's not a single person out there who is a true believer who has said, Jesus is my Lord, who has not been given that by the Spirit. In other words, none of us come to Christ on our own. The Bible is very clear about that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And if it were not work, if it were not for the work of the Holy Spirit reaching out to us, the Bible puts it this way, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, okay? He loved us before we loved him. The Holy Spirit was at work, reaching out to us, drawing us to him. If it was not for that work of the Holy Spirit, we never would have responded to God. We were caught and trapped in our sinful way, in our sinful nature, our selfish way of doing things. And only through the miracle of God's work of the Spirit did we come to Him. 
And that doesn't matter when and how you were saved. If you are 40 years old and lived half your life in complete rebellion to God, and then one day you realized, wow, I am wasting my life. I'm going totally the wrong direction. And you woke up and and you trusted Christ. That was a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Also, if you were six years old and you had been in church every single time the doors were open, guess what? That was also a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Even if you could not, in your mind, remember the first time that you actually said, yes, I do believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Paul's saying it doesn't matter what your memory is, what your experience is, your age, the time of life. Anybody who has come to Christ has experienced a miracle of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, if you can say Jesus is Lord, and by the way, that's the closest thing the early Christians, the very first Christians had to a creed. Jesus is Lord. That was code for, I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus is the one true Messiah. He's the master. He's the king. He's my Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord meant I'm a Christian. And Paul says, if you can say Jesus is Lord, that is, if you're a believer then you have experienced a miracle of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit reached out to your heart, enlivened your heart, allowed you, quickened your heart, allowed you to be able to respond to the call of God on your life. Now, that's the ground level we have to get. We have to understand that. So when we accept that, and it's there in black and white in God's Word, Paul says, every single one of you, who is a believer, who says, yes, Jesus is my Lord, you have all experienced a miracle of the Holy Spirit. So there's none of you that can say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't get into that Holy Spirit business. Because guess what? You're not a Christian if you didn't get into that Holy Spirit business. Because you weren't a Christian unless the Holy Spirit has touched your life. So these groups, and there's teachings out there, and there's groups who want to say, well, you become a Christian, and then there's later on, maybe you become a super Christian, and you get the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. That's not what Paul said. Paul said, look, here it is. When you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit. He was the one who did that work. Second point he makes here. Every single gift that you have has a purpose, and no gift is a mistake, all right? Kind of going along with our theme of, of cruel sayings, since we first talked about a cruel saying about brains, and you know, the world's cruel, right? And especially kids. Um, I, my youth minister, um, I, you know, I wish I could say I remembered all the great, wonderful Christian teachings he taught me, but my youth minister in junior high, I don't know why, but the thing that he taught me that st- sticks out the most is He said that when he was in high school, when they signed annuals, people used to write in others' annuals, God made trees, God made lakes, God made you, but everyone makes mistakes. You know, that is so terrible. But, uh, you know, in junior high, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, and uh, I may or may not have wrote that, and so I hope not. Hopefully, no, no, I'm sure I didn't. But, um, you know, we, we have this way of thinking sometimes that we're a mistake. Sometimes we have this way of thinking that, you know, that there's something so wrong with us that, that if everybody knew, if everybody really realized who we are, that no one would like us, no one would love us because we're so messed up. 
And God reminds us constantly in his word that he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. Do we all have limitations? Yes. Do we all have our own um, places because of our own sinfulness that we've, we've messed up and we've got scars and, and other people's sinfulness have done things to us and we have scars there? And, and, and yeah, we've got all kinds of things that make us not perfect. But God did not make us a mistake. In fact, his word tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, God did not mess up. Not only did he not mess up in our first birth, but he certainly did not mess up in our second birth when we were born again. And so when, when God uh, saved us, when he recreated us, we created us anew as believers, and he gifted us, he gave us those gifts with a very specific purpose. Now let's, let's see what that purpose is. In verse 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, you get this manifestation of the Spirit. You get this manifestation. Each one of us gets uh, an apportionment of God's Spirit. We, we get a, a, a part of God's Spirit to live within us. How does that work? It, what is it for? Is it to pump us up somehow, to make us haughty and prideful? No, it's for the common good. See, the Corinthians had a really, really bad problem. Um, you know, human nature hasn't changed at all. We, we are extremists. That, that's just how we are. We, we go to one extreme or the other. Either we don't believe in something or we go overboard on something. And so some folks want to completely deny spiritual gifts and their reality and what we should do with them, you know, or say, hey, they cause big trouble, so we should never get into any kind of spiritual gifts. And then on the other hand, other folks want to exalt spiritual gifts and the people who ha happen to have certain outward or flashy types of spiritual gifts and say they're, they're better than anything else and put them on some pedestal. And God says, no. Spiritual gifts are simply there for the common good. All right, every person is put here for the common good. All of us are put here for one another. We are all put here to help one another, that we can all join together and follow our Lord's commands. So the one who sings is no better than the one who works with technology, is no better than the one who's on a committee, is no better than the one who teaches, is the one, no better than the one who brings a dish over to someone's house, and on and on and so forth. We're all in this together. It is a common good thing that together we work to do what would build up the body of Christ. And so do, do spirit, does your spiritual gift build you up? Well, in a sense, yes, you, build, you perform your spiritual gift, someone else is performing their spiritual gift, and, and as you're doing your thing, trying to bless others, then they're doing their thing, trying to bless you and others, and everybody gets blessed while they're looking out for others. The opposite of that is, everybody's sitting here trying to puff themselves up, 
and everybody's feeling like they're not getting enough attention and nobody's looking at them and nobody's doing for them. And, and you know, that's, that, is how, that is how people get so angry and bitter. And by the way, this is basically the same concept that the Bible teaches towards marriage. That if you sit there constantly in a marriage relationship waiting, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do good toward him when he starts doing good toward me. Yeah, when she starts living up to what she should do, then I'm going to... Never works. It will never work. The Bible never tells wives... You force, you nag, you cajole your husbands into honoring and cherishing uh, you and sacrificing for you the way you should. No. It never tells uh, the, the husbands. Husbands, now you make that wife of yours follow your leadership like you should. No. And in fact, there is this service towards one another, this love and this sacrifice and this care towards one another in meeting one another's needs, we find our own needs are met because God designed us for service and sacrifice and love. We do not find fulfillment in, in selfishness. You see, negative emotions, they do give us this, you know, this temporary, sometimes you get angry and there's kind of this temporary, yeah, I got them, or I told them off, or I had my way, but it's real empty. It doesn't last. It's, it's like something that tastes good, but then there's a bad aftertaste that it leaves, and you realize it wasn't what you wanted in the first place. We are designed to be people who love and serve one another in God's kingdom. And so every gift has a purpose. Let's look back at this again. In verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. In other words, it's all about God. If you look at someone else and you belittle their spiritual gift, you're belittling God. If you look at yourself and belittle your spiritual gift, you're belittling God and his work in your life. God has chosen for his purposes, for the common good, and for his own reasons, he's given you the gifts that he's chosen to give, and give you so that his body will be built up. And when you uh, strain against that, when you fight against that, you're fighting against what the Lord has done in your life. And by the way, um, while we're on this, we're, um, sometimes we have trouble with the, well, what, what are my spiritual gifts? That's kind of the next level thing for some people. It's, okay, theoretically, I understand that, but what are my spiritual gifts? Um, I would say this. First of all, look at the places in the Bible. There's um, three or four different places where spiritual gifts are listed, and I would look over those. There's some spiritual gift tests out there that you could find online. They're helpful. None of them are definitive. You know, if God wanted there to be a definitive spiritual gift test, he'd have put it in here, okay? But those things are helpful. But to me, the fact that 
each list of spiritual gifts is different, has some different gifts in there. There's some overlap, but then there's some difference. Means that the Bible was not intending to give one comprehensive list. And I think that's because we are all so unique. We're all so different. There, there might not be a name on the gift that you have, but you look at, um, you try out a bunch of things, okay? You jump in, and when there's an opening or when you see a need, you try to serve, and sometimes it goes well, sometimes it goes not so well. Sometimes you say, well, I think I, maybe I still have a passion there and I need some more training. Other times you say, hey, that didn't work out, but I'm going to try something else. And you can ask others. A lot of times other people see us more clearly than we see ourselves, right? Sometimes we're so down on ourselves or sometimes we're too up on ourselves, you know, but someone else may help us see ourselves clearly. But whatever you have to do, you need to, if you're not sure of what those gifts are in your life, you need to take the initiative on your own to work that out. Don't, don't wait for a Sunday school teacher or an elder or someone to come up to you and say, hey, these are your spiritual gifts. You need to work that out and figure that out. God, what are you doing in my life? How are you gifting me to serve? Third and finally, um, every gift um, is, is to be unifying. Every gift is to bring us together. Verses 7 and then 12 and 13. Again, we're going to talk about that common good. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Then look in verse 12 and 13. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, Slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. The Spirit of God is um, working to draw us together. If you look at the prayer of Jesus in uh, John chapter 17... And many people say that should be called the Lord's Prayer. What we call the Lord's Prayer, people say, well, we should call that the model prayer because Jesus set that as a model for us to pray. But John chapter 17 is a super long prayer of Jesus uh, on the night um, in which he was betrayed. Before he was taken um, in the garden, he prays this really long prayer. And, and so many things he prays, but he prays for us for his disciples, and then all that would come from them. That means us. We're the spiritual descendants of those disciples. And one of the things he prays for is our unity, that we would be one. He says, Father, let them be one as we are one. So if you're asking, you know, what kind of unity he wants, some pretty, uh, pretty tight unity there. I believe the, the heart of God aches when he sees disunity in his body, when he sees disunity among his people. We look at the world around us, and man, is it disunified. Now, on the one hand, we can see this past week some positive stuff. You know, hey, there was that successful space launch. That was some pretty exciting stuff. 
to see what happened with SpaceX. And, you know, here we have, we are sending astronauts. We're not having to send them over to Russia anymore for the first time in nine years from U.S. soil. Here we go. And we're sending up astronauts from the United States, you know, partnership between NASA and SpaceX. And here this thing goes. And that was some exciting stuff. I mean, that was collaboration. That was, that was work. And so we could look at our society and say, hey, that's a good, positive thing. But man, when you look at the social issues that we've had, the, the violence and the unrest, and you say, we can send people into outer space, and yet we cannot get along with our fellow man. We cannot stop our thirst for violence and brutality. There are some things very, very wrong. And you see, every time, it's so not funny, that's not the right word, it's just the people who want to say there's no such thing as sin and that, that man is kind is inherently good, and you want to say, Really? Really? This is what inherent goodness is? What we see this week? There is so much that is wrong, and it is a result of sinfulness and selfishness, both on an individual level and some that is worked into various elements of society and institutions. And there, there is so much out there that is, that is crazy. And we look at that and we would love to say, but man, if, if we all behaved as Christ called us to, first of all, not only could we affect society directly, but also we could be this light and say, this is something different. When the world looks and sees this chaos going on, this violence and this hatred and this sin going on. If the world could look and see something so different, a people that were characterized by love and compassion and kindness. And that's what Jesus uh, described. That's what he prayed for. You and I are to be People of peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm not saying that the issues that our society faces are easy fixes. They're not. <laughs> there are deep issues and there are deep uh, divisions and troubles in our world, in our society. But let me say this. Regardless of where we are in our ideas about how things should be helped and solved, and, 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 and well-meaning people, good people, Christian people, will come to different conclusions about how things should happen, what plans should be made, and what things should be done, and that works its way out in politics and other things. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about our personal convictions and, and our personal actions toward one another as members of, of the, the, the race of mankind, as members of the body of Christ. He said this. He says, listen, this stuff, 
We were all baptized into one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. In other places, Paul talks about there's neither male nor female, slave or free, Greek nor Jew. Now, what he's not saying those things don't exist anymore. <laughs> when you become a Christian, now you're some, you know, non-binary. <laughs> no, you're still a man or a woman. You still have whatever race or nationality or ethnicity you have. But Paul is saying that who we are in Christ is the strongest thing that we have. It is the strongest affiliation that we have. The fact that I am part of God's family, that I am one of his children, is higher and more important than the fact that I'm a husband, a dad, an American, any other la a pastor, any other label you want to put on me. And all those labels are true, but none of them is as important as the fact that I am a child of God. And so everything I do in all of those other roles in life that I play in society, in my household, and in my community, and in my work in the church, everything should fall under the fact that I am a child of God. And we as believers, we are to catch this vision that Christ has put into the New Testament authors who speak of this life, of a spirit-led life, where each of us look at one another through the eyes of God. And we look at one another through the eyes of, hey, they are, they are um, God's creation. And whatever else comes under that, most importantly, they are God's creation. And so we look at people with eyes of love. The most important commandment, Jesus said, is to love God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a lot of folks uh, got in the habit of saying, oh, yeah, I love, everybody. I love God and I love everybody. And so John ended up calling people on it later on in one of his letters. He says, how do you claim that you love God that you've never seen, but you don't love your brother who you have seen? Our love for God shows out in our love for mankind. And so every single gift that we have is for that purpose of unity. You and I are all miracles of God's grace. The moment we were born again, we were brought in to that family through a miracle of the Spirit. That Spirit miracle gave us a gift with a purpose and it was not a mistake. And that gift was for our common good, to bring us together, to unify us, to build us together as a family of God that should be a light in a dark world. We, as the people of God, should be different. We should stand out. We should be whatever is going on in this world, and we can speak up and we can do our part to change the world, to change the culture. But if nothing else, what we for sure can do is to let God change us. And we can be a light that shows the world 
that there is something different. But none of this can be done in our own power. It's all done through the Spirit of God as we rely on His leading and His power to strengthen us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you and we just ask that we would be people who are guided by your Spirit. God, that we come to you seeking to know you. Lord, that we, we seek knowledge, not for knowledge's sake alone, not to puff ourselves up, but we just want to know you. Lord, we want to build our relationship with you. God, we want to be guided by your Spirit. We want to be drawn together through your Spirit. Father, Lord, we don't have all the answers. God, our hearts hurt as we see the pain and the difficulty in this world. Lord, may we stand for what is right and true. God, may we stand against hatred. Father, may we stand for your love that you've called us to reach out and to love others with your love and your heart. Father, now as we come to our, our time of reflection, Lord, may each of us, um, may we simply consider how you would have us uh, be obedient to you, how you would have us draw closer to you. Father, what changes we might need to make internally and externally in our lives, what we may need to do and what we may need to stop doing, where we may need to stand up, where we may need to stand down. God, whatever it is that you'd have us to do to be more in line with you, we pray that we would be obedient and submissive to your will. And Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.